Part three, propositions sixteen to twenty of the Ethics by Spinoza. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Morgan Scorpion. The Ethics by Benedict de Spinoza. Translated by R. H. M. Elwes. Part three, propositions sixteen to twenty. Proposition 16. Simply from the fact that we conceive that a given object has some point of resemblance with another object, which is wont to affect the mind pleasurably or painfully, although the point of resemblance be not the efficient cause of the said emotions, we shall still regard the first-named object with love or hate. Proof. The point of resemblance was in the object, by hypothesis, when we regarded it with pleasure or pain. Thus, part three, proposition fourteen, when the mind is affected by the image thereof, it will straightway be affected by one or the other emotion, and consequently the thing which we perceive to have the same point of resemblance will be accidentally, part three, proposition fifteen, a cause of pleasure or pain. Thus, by the foregoing corollary, although the point in which the two objects resemble one another be not the efficient cause of the emotion, we shall still regard the first-named object with love or hate. Quod erat demonstrandum. Proposition 17. If we conceive that a thing which is wont to affect us painfully has any point of resemblance with another thing which is wont to affect us with an equally strong emotion of pleasure, we shall hate the first-named thing, and at the same time we shall love it. Proof. The given thing is, by hypothesis, in itself a cause of pain and part three proposition thirteen note in so far as we imagine it with this emotion we shall hate it further inasmuch as we conceive that it has some point of resemblance to something else which is wont to affect us with an equally strong emotion of pleasure we shall with an equally strong impulse of pleasure love it part three proposition sixteen thus we shall both hate and love the same thing Quod irat demonstrandum. Note. This disposition of the mind which arises from two contrary emotions is called vacillation. It stands to the emotions in the same relation as doubt does to the imagination. Part 3. Proposition 44. Note. Vacillation and doubt do not differ one from the other, except as greater differs from less. But we must bear in mind that I have deduced this vacillation from causes which give rise through themselves to one of the emotions, and to the other accidentally. I have done this in order that they might be more easily deduced from what went before, but I do not deny that vacillation of the disposition generally arises from an object, which is the efficient cause of both emotions. The human body is composed, part two, postulate one, of a variety of individual parts of different nature, and may therefore Axiom 1, after lemma 3, after part 2, proposition 13, be affected in a variety of different ways by one and the same body, and contrariwise, as one and the same thing can be affected in many ways, it can also in many different ways affect one and the same part of the body. Hence we can easily conceive that one and the same object may be the cause of many and conflicting emotions. Proposition 18 
a man is as much affected pleasurably or painfully by the image of a thing past or future as by the image of a thing present. Proof. So long as a man is affected by the image of anything, he will regard that thing as present, even though it be non-existent. Part 2. Proposition 17 and Corollary. He will not conceive it as past or future, except in so far as its image is joined to the image of a time past or future. Part 2. Proposition 44. Note. Wherefore the image of a thing, regarded in itself alone, is identical, whether it be referred to time past, time future, or time present. That is, Part 2. Proposition 16. Corollary. The disposition or emotion of the body is identical, whether the image be of a thing past, future, or present. Thus the emotion of pleasure or pain is the same, whether the image be of a thing past or future. Quod erat demonstrandum. Note 1. I shall call a thing past or future, according as we either have been or shall be affected thereby. For instance, according as we have seen it, or are about to see it, according as it has recreated us, or will recreate us, according as it has harmed us, or will harm us. For, as we thus conceive it, we affirm its existence, that is, the body is affected by no emotion which excludes the existence of the thing, and therefore, part 2, proposition 17, the body is affected by the image of the thing, in the same way as if the thing were actually present. However, as it generally happens that those who have had many experiences vacillate so long as they regard a thing as future or past, and are usually in doubt about its issue, part 2, proposition 44, note, it follows that the emotions which arise from similar images of things are not so constant, but are generally disturbed by the images of other things, until men become assured of the issue. Note 2. From what has just been said, we understand what is meant by the terms hope, fear, confidence, despair, joy, and disappointment. Footnote 5. Conscientiae morsus. Thus rendered by Mr. Pollock. End of footnote 5. Hope is nothing else but an inconstant pleasure arising from the image of something future or past, whereof we do not yet know the issue. Fear, on the other hand, is an inconstant pain also arising from the image of something concerning which we are in doubt. If the element of doubt be removed from these emotions, hope becomes confidence and fear becomes despair. In other words, pleasure or pain arising from the image of something concerning which we have hoped or feared. Again, joy is pleasure arising from the image of something past, whereof we have doubted the issue. Disappointment is the pain opposed to joy. Proposition 19 he who conceives that the object of his love is destroyed will feel pain. If he conceives that it is preserved, he will feel pleasure. Proof. The mind, as far as possible, endeavours to conceive those things which increase or help the body's power of activity. Part 3. Proposition 12. In other words, Part 3. Proposition 12. Note. Those things which it loves but the conception is helped by those things which postulate the existence of a thing, and contrariwise is hindered by those which exclude the existence of a thing. Part 2. Proposition 17. 
Therefore, the images of things, which postulate the existence of an object of love, help the mind's endeavour to conceive the object of love. In other words, part 3, proposition 11, note, affect the mind pleasurably. Contrariwise, those things which exclude the existence of an object of love hinder the aforesaid mental endeavour. In other words, affect the mind painfully. He, therefore, who conceives that the object of his love is destroyed will feel pain, etc. Quod erat demonstrandum. Proposition 20. He who conceives that the object of his hate is destroyed will also feel pleasure. Proof. The mind, part 3, proposition 13, endeavours to conceive those things which exclude the existence of things whereby the body's power of activity is diminished or constrained. That is, part 3, proposition 13, note, it endeavours to conceive such things as exclude the existence of what it hates. Therefore, the image of a thing, which excludes the existence of what the mind hates, helps the aforesaid mental effort. In other words, part 3, proposition 11, note, affects the mind pleasurably. Thus, he who conceives that the object of his hate is destroyed will feel pleasure. Quod erat demonstrandum. End of part 3, propositions 16 to 20.